Hello, welcome in Avs fans to another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast with me, JJ Jerez, and of course, Arif Dean with me to uh, talk some as hockey. Let's get right into it here. Um, you know, I think there's some. Po- uh, it's a positive note today. You know, we start the podcast positively. The Avs taking care of business in Arizona, really cleaning up out there, getting the sweep, winning a series, something I've been complaining about all year long. Um, but it kind of seemed like they were snake bitten for a while, but they, they got out of it. So it looks like it, but the only problem is it still feels like they're a little snake bit. I mean, in that first period, they came out with the one McKinnon goal. Uh, in the first game, they came out with the 3-2 victory, and then they kind of poured it on in the last seven or eight minutes of the third period. But other than that, they're still struggling to score, but it's a step in the right direction. They still got a goal from guys that haven't been scoring, and they're still kind of building that confidence that they need going into pretty much the busiest month of the year. Yeah, I mean, going back all the way to that Minnesota game that was at home, we haven't really talked about that one since our last podcast, and that one was a bit frustrating to watch, you know, that was yeah. uh, that was one yeah. where you really felt they were snake-bitten, you know, they had a couple posts hit, a couple really good chances that were missed, and uh, really, ultimately, that game came down to uh, just bad defensive mistakes, right? Nobody really wanted to credit Minnesota for winning that game, it seemed more like Bednar and everybody... Uh, we're, we're taking the blame and saying, you know, a couple mistakes here and there are what cost us that game. But, yeah, the the, peep, the power play is what got them out of being snake-bitten in that first game against Arizona there in the second period. So the 5v5 is a little worrisome right now. But like you said, a lot of guys that haven't scored in a while and guys you've wanted to see score, you know, Burakovsky, Donskoy, Rantanen, uh, Kadri, those guys all got goals here recently. Good, Good to see. Yeah, and they did get that goal from Rantanen, but the thing is they scored, I believe they were one for three on the power play Friday, and before that they had gone into that stretch of 21 or 22 opportunities without a goal. The fact of the matter is they're not scoring. They're not scoring a lot of goals. I know the last time we recorded, it's been eight or nine days, it was before the Tahoe game where we said that they had only scored more than three goals three times. Well, since then they've beat Vegas in Tahoe, and then they lost to Minnesota, then they beat the Coyotes... Uh, and they beat the Coyotes again. But since that stretch, they've only scored more than three goals once, and it was the game Saturday, and it was after scoring four goals or three goals in the last seven or eight minutes of the game. They're still struggling to do it. The power play still didn't, you know, wasn't as effective as you'd want it to be. They scored once in each game. Um, It does look like it's a step in the right direction, but as for the Minnesota game, they lost that game. I mean, you can credit, I mean, I think you should credit Minnesota because they played a hell of a game. They've had a couple of plays that were uh, just beautiful passes, beautiful setups. But the reality is the Avalanche just were not, they did not look good. And as soon as Philip Grubauer start to surrender, started to surrender goals in that game, you started to realize really quickly that this was just a matter of uh, a team that had relied on its goalie for far too long. And you had started to see that when the goalie doesn't have a good game, the team kind of crumbles, and that's sort of what happened against Minnesota. And it's kind of what they dug out of a little bit against the Coyotes, but the fact of the matter is it's the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, this is this is your slump buster. This is a team that's not very good that you're expected to be and hoping to use that to sort of turn you into the right direction, to get into a bit of a rhythm. 
Right. With Minnesota, it seemed, uh, you know, Minnesota just capitalized on every single opportunity they had where Avalanche just couldn't capitalize on any opportunities. But that, you know, that's why I don't, I don't really want to harp on them too much. You know, it's funny to hear you kind of stand in the stance like, hey, they're not scoring enough goals and me in the position like, hey, that's why I said they, they took care of business. Like, yeah, you got me sold. It's 18 games in. I, know. I mean, they were 10 games in the last time, but the re- I mean, it's been 10 games since they had a three week COVID pause. And things still don't seem right. They don't seem like the avalanche that they should be. Right, it's especially with the amount of talent and weaponry that they have on the offensive side. You'd see, you'd think you'd see a lot more uh, six, five goal games. I mean, you're seeing them across the league. Look at last night with St. Louis and San Jose. For God's sakes, I think it was 13 goals after um, all yeah. was said and done. Which I think that was the exact total of the entire Vegas yep. Av series, right? So. Um, yeah, but yeah, like I said, they, they went into Arizona and took care of business. It might not have been the prettiest thing ever, but you know, I remember Scott Hastings was once the color guy for the Denver Nuggets on Altitude TV said, um, y- y- you know, you, you didn't take the prettiest girl to the dance. But you got to the dance, right? It wasn't it wasn't the yeah. best looking thing, but they got it done. They got the two wins and beat Arizona. And I think the biggest surprise from the weekend has to be the Miska win, right? Not only that, they they protected him so well, and Arizona only got eighteen shots on goal. So let's get a little bit into that Miska W there in game one. Yeah. So what I like about that game and that performance, it says to me that this team has what it takes defensively to shut down other teams. And this is a defense that played Jacob McDonald. This is a defense that has had Kale McCart in and out of the lineup that hasn't seen Eric Johnson in God knows how long and is still finding a way to shut down teams pretty much at will. And that was the reality is they kind of treated the Miska game like Caroline had treated the Zamboni driver last year, David Ayers, when he came in and they said Toronto's just not getting another shot on goal. So that's what the Avalanche had to do to shut down the Coyotes uh, and to get two points and to pretty much... uh, keep Miska at bay and and let him actually have a chance. And it's funny that we all say all that and the Coyotes still score two goals in the final minute and a half to kind of make it a one goal game. But the reality is they did. Yeah. Whoever took the puck line had to be real pissed on that one. Sorry. I feel so bad for you. And they couldn't score. They couldn't score an empty netter either. That's the, that's, that's the unfortunate part. It's that I feel like this team that that's what was surprising about that Bellamare empty netter. They used to be so good at them. They used to be so good at them. Yeah, I mean, Belmar, yeah, he did get that one in the second game, but they just they can't do it like they used to. Um, but yeah, I mean, they did a really, really good job of protecting Miska, and he only faced 18 shots, and to be honest with you, in March, you're going to need a little bit more performances like that because unless the Avalanche go out and acquire a goalie, Hunter Miska's going to see three or four, maybe five games out of those 17. Yeah, I mean, that was his first W. We've seen him three times in action this year. So, I mean, one out of three isn't exactly the greatest and anything to write home about. But I, I agree with you. That's, yeah. that's the positive you can take out of that game is the Avalanche have that shutdown capability in them. I mean, 18 shots, that's really impressive. I mean, even with Philip Grubauer, you know, that you can use that argument like, oh, the Avalanche knew who was in net. They shut it down a little bit tighter. But even the next night, there was only 25 shots on goal, which, you know, seven, it's a difference but it's not substantial you know so I think just that defensive structure is is what's saving them right now while we can continue to figure out what's going on with the goal scoring I think yeah and they've they've had performances like that all season I mean I've been harping at the statistic that Grubauer just doesn't face more than 25 shots on uh, Mm -hmm. many occasions he rarely ever sees 30 shots and uh, that included against the Vegas series they did a pretty good job of holding them at bay for most of those games and and uh, during that four games but 
I mean, the biggest problem right now is this is a team that if you had this year's defense and the 2019-20 offense, the Avalanche would be unstoppable. Their defense wasn't necessarily shaky last year and wasn't bad, but it was a little bit inconsistent. This year, they have a dominant defensive structure. They're just, I mean, it's the same guys. It's the same guys with a 19-year-old rookie and a Sam Gerrard that seems like he's aged 10 years overnight. But it's the same guys, but it's just that defensive structure they're playing. If you add in the offensive production of last year, this team would be absolutely unbeatable and the biggest difference as much as we're harping on the power play the biggest difference between last year and this year is they're just not scoring five on five at the same pace they were last year they need to figure that out I mean Nathan McKinnon as 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 good a year as he's having and for his standards it's not the best year he's only got five or six goals now uh guys like Miko Rantanen don't have a goal per game Gabe Landeskog scored for the first time in the month of February granted obviously they had a 12-day break during that but he's only got four goals on the season. Tyson Jost just scored his first goal. Val Nichushkin still has two. Belmar's first goal finally came, first point finally came on that empty netter. So they just need to find a way to get that five-on-five production up. And you'll start to see the points rack up. You'll start to see their players climb up those points rankings. And you'll start to see them obviously score more than three goals on more than one occasion. Right. And, it, you know, while we can sit here and kind of point fingers at the team, while they're still getting W's, what a great luxury that is to have, right? I mean, the fact that we're complaining that the the team isn't playing well after they just stole two victories. I mean, didn't even steal them; they went and earned them outright. But yeah. you know, that's a that's that's a good problem to have, and they are yeah. taking care of business where they need to. Again, like I said, it wasn't the way you want to see it done, but at the same time. You know, Darcy Kemper was their biggest nemesis usually whenever they're playing Arizona, right? And he didn't play in either game. So, again, yeah. you'd like to see a little bit more goal scoring, but just the fact that they're getting it done is is nice to see. And then you like to see guys like Kadri come out, have a strong three-point weekend when, kind of like I mentioned earlier, there are guys that you've, you've been wanting to see get going. That's a good way to get going. And he didn't get a point in game two against Arizona, but I, I still think he's playing with confidence and playing a much better game right now. Yeah, he absolutely is. And he's been playing great. And he's kind of, he's been juggled between between lines in terms of playing some shifts with Ranton and Landeskog and some shifts with Saad and Burakovsky. Uh, McKinnon's been doing the same thing. It just seems like with that top six, and this is probably the biggest reason why they haven't scored at the same pace that they're usually scoring uh, in past years. Some players are on and when those players are on, other guys kind of get cold and run dry. So speaking just in, in, in relation to that top six, Miko Rantanen started the season hot. Uh, Gabe Landeskog had a bunch of goals in the first two weeks of the season. Uh, Nathan McKinnon wasn't scoring. He was setting up a lot of goals. And when Nathan McKinnon started scoring, Gabe Landeskog stopped. Miko Rantanen's kind of been in a bit of a cold streak. Kadri finally picked up his game just as Saad started to get cold. Saad picked up his game earlier in the series just as Burakovsky, who started hot, got injured. So those six guys are not operating at the same time, which is why you're seeing Donskoy, who's kind of been this consistent guy with six goals and six assists on the year, has been playing in the top six ahead of somebody like Burakovsky lately because he's been pretty much the only top forward who's been consistently accumulating points outside of obviously McKinnon because McKinnon's always putting up points. Uh, It's just a matter of how many, but he's been that one consistent force. And that's the biggest reason, in my opinion, why they're not scoring at will. It's because those top players are not always on at the same time. Right now it is Kadri, but it's just a matter of getting everybody up to his standard uh, and to his pace. 
and then they'll start to see more goals go in. But I mean, for him, it's great to see him playing well because he had a brutal game against Minnesota. He was a minus five and he's had two or three of those games this year. And also, while it's kind of, you know, they're, they're kind of a smaller, softer team than the Avalanche, it's nice to see the aggressive side of Colorado come out in this yeah. series. And yep. I, I said this to Ryan Bolding on last on the last episode of our uh, of our hockey show the on hockey the High show. Sports Radio. Um, but, you know, we always talk about who's the next rival for the Avalanche, and I think we're still trying to figure that out because Minnesota's kind of fallen off and the hatred t- doesn't really seem to be there. But I don't think anybody hates the Avalanche. It's not a two-way street, but I don't think anyway, anybody hates the Avalanche as much as Arizona right now. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it, the Avalanche kind of smoked them in the playoffs last year. Uh, they put up seven goals on two ga- in, in two uh in each of the last two games of that series kind of like made Darcy Kemper go from a uh, consummate trophy candidate out of the, after the first three games of the series to somebody who let in a touchdown in each of the last two games. Uh, and then they came into this season. And it just seems like every time these teams get together and I, I noticed it in the regular season last year too. And in years past, we've seen Nathan McKinnon get into a fight with them. We saw the play where Sam Gerrard got pummeled by uh, Zach Ronaldo and it caused a big stir and Eric Johnson got involved. So you're seeing a lot of things like that happen with this team. Those are the types of things that start rivalries. Those are the type of things that start to, you know, build that hatred. The problem is again, it's, this is another team that's not really good. Mm-hmm. So as much as the avalanche, and- yeah, and that's yeah, the thing. As, as much as they want to hate the Avalanche, the Avalanche are going to have the same reaction towards them that Minnesota used to have to the Avs, where it's like, you're not even making the playoffs. Why are we going to bother with you? Yeah, and I was kind of kind of going with, a, you know, not making excuses, but I was just going with the route that, you know, Arizona's getting up for these games, right? They're trying to bring it. They're yeah. trying to seek revenge yeah. and show the world that they, they're not as bad as they were when they got embarrassed last year by the Avalanche. But then you see things like uh, Gabe Landeskog body slamming Garland, right? And even Bone Byram getting into a fight with Drake Kajula. Yeah. So you like to see those things I, it personally. I mean, I'm, I don't know. What's your take on the Byram fight? Uh, the Byram fight was great. It's great to see a 19-year-old kid have the balls to drop the gloves, but he got his ass kicked. <laughs> let's Agreed. let's face it but i do like it because this is a young defenseman who uh has been in the league for 10 or 12 games he's not very big he's not very physical but he's also trying to get the message across that just because this defense is built small we're not going to let you crash the crease so that's the types of things you want to see the only thing you want to see from a young kid like bowen byram is maybe to get acclimated to what it means to fight in the NHL a little bit more just so that he doesn't end up hurting himself. I mean, what happened the other day wasn't a huge deal. You know, he took a couple of uh, a couple of rights from Drake Kajula. He, you know, pretty much had the, ate, ate the, you know, took the worst of the fight, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world. He didn't hurt himself. It didn't seem dangerous. It wasn't a big deal. It just kind of, you know, maybe struck his ego. It, it was just Drake Kajula. It was just Drake I Kajula, mean, exactly. He he's not the toughest guy. I mean, he is 26, and that's kind of what's crazy about it, right? As a 19-year-old fighting a 26, I know when I was 19, there's no way in hell I was probably squaring up with a 26-year-old. I mean, a big I difference. Probably shouldn't square up with a 26-year-old now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just like the exactly like you're saying, just the ability to stand up and uh, drop yeah. the gloves. Fortunately, there was no injuries, right? Fortunately, yeah. no concussions or or broken hand. Um, knock on wood, but you know, a little tiny. 
tussle between softies like that. I don't, I don't really have a problem. Yeah. With. And then, you know, let's get into the to the body slam a little bit. What do you what's your what's your take on that? A bit a bit overboard by Landis Gog in my opinion, but I think that's a little bit of his frustration coming yep. out and just say and you know as a team like the Avalanche who are typically the the ones getting pushed around. I think it was nice for him to be like, no, we're the ones that push you around. Yeah, here. so for starters, did you happen to catch Miko Rantanen's quote at the end of the game? <laughs> yeah, I he did. Said, that was yeah, it was solid. a little bit like WWE. It was funny. Uh, I believe were his exact words. But in regards to the Landeskog play, uh, for starters, I will say, given the way the NHL has gone, I am a little bit surprised he didn't hear from NHL player safety. And, and that might sound soft, and back in my day, this used to happen, but... Garland's head ultimately did bounce off the ice, and he was a little shaken up and rattled by it. But I do like to see plays like that. I mean, this is something we've talked about with Landeskog. This is a player that in his first few years in the NHL uh, always put up a lot of shots and a lot of hits. And he's kind of gotten away from that game for good reason, because if he kept playing like that, his career wouldn't be very long. But it's nice to see him kind of get back to that type of an aggressor every once in a while, just to remind people that, like, hey, I am this hard ass i'm a captain and i will get frustrated when i do i will put you down and it was nice to see that because it just seemed like a harmless play guys were getting together we don't know what was being said which is the most important thing because that's what kind of strikes the fastest but i mean i have no problem with it i agree with you in the sense where it was a little bit overboard and the guy could have gotten hurt but i mean in the in the grand scheme of things i don't have a problem with it because this team is usually the one that gets pushed around uh this is a team and we'll be talking about him shortly matt calvert who his injury issues have started from two plays a brent burns body body check that pretty much knocked him out of the playoffs a couple years ago and a puck that hit him in the face last year um and against, you know, two teams that the Avalanche didn't respond to either play. I mean, not that you're going to respond to somebody taking a puck to the face, but it's just a matter of they're usually the team getting pushed around. They're usually the team getting hit. And it's good to see plays like that because as the injuries start to pile up, you need to let teams know that if the injuries are going to be uh, the cause of something that the other team is doing and not necessarily an, an, an incident on your end, that you're going to be there for you to have your teams back. So it's good to be able to set messages like that, both for Byram and for Landeskog yesterday. Sure, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, it's not like Garland's fist to Landeskog's face is going to really injure him or yeah. take him out of the game or anything. But Gar- I Garland's think so- like 165 pounds, right? By the and way. sometimes you know when you get <laughs> really hit in easy the face, slam. you get hit in the face and it really hurts. You kind of just snap a little bit, and he just got really angry really fast and just body slammed him. But I, I like it. I like what it can do to a team. I like the effect of kind of stirring stuff up like that because it. It can help you, your team get energized a little bit. It gives you a boost. It's like, all right, this is a little bit more exciting. We're awake. There's no crowd in the stands, right? We need a, some sort yeah. of energetic boost here. And, you know, that's why I, I wasn't really in favor of everybody who was kind of harping on, and we've been saying harping a lot today, uh, ripping on Jordan Bennington last night for kind of yeah. doing all that stuff he did oh, because. Boy. I mean, yeah, he kind of made a clown out of himself, but he also, you know, got some emotions riled up in the game. He got some energy going, and his team ended up winning that game. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not saying it's because of Jordan Bennington and getting all that going, but, you know, I think sometimes that can be really good for your team. And uh, I like Dubnik's quote saying something about him being 160 pounds and not acting like a tough guy, but, um, you know, I just like stirring stuff up. It doesn't have to go overboard, but to stir stuff up and create that energy and light a fire under everybody, I'm I'm in favor. I agree with that. The Bennington thing was hilarious to me because 
this is a goalie that had gotten pulled for allowing too many goals to a bad team that was trying to act like a hard ass on his way out. Like imagine Patrick Juan, that seven nothing Red Wings game on his way out is like pushing McCarty. Like I'll kick your ass. I'm like, it was just a really weird time to flex on his team. Um, but I agree, man. I like to see stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I'm sure if you if you saw the replay with the Blues feed, it was Darren Pang and, and Mike Kelly just like, here we go. Like, oh, my God, they were so excited because goalies were pushing each other. This is, we don't see this anymore. So I'm all for that. I, I do agree. I love that. Um, my favorite thing about Eric Johnson's game is, uh, and this happens maybe twice every calendar year, Eric Johnson's screws will get a little loose and he'll do something stupid. And usually you kind of hope it airs on the side of like, don't get suspended. Sometimes it does. I mean, I'm sure you remember there was that opening night a few years ago where he cracked Eric Howla, the Minnesota Wild, and got a five-minute major and the Avalanche got shut out. That was my first game ever at the Pepsi Center, by the way. It was a great time. But uh, you'll notice that pretty much a couple times a year. The Avalanche just don't do much of that anymore. And the only guys that they have that do that are guys like Matt Calvert who just aren't healthy anymore. So that's kind of the biggest thing that's been missing. That's one of the bigger things that's been missing from their game lately is that energy and that spark. If you don't have the fans and the crowd to feed off of, which they kind of did against Arizona, there was a couple thousand there. But if you don't have the fans and the crowd to feed off of, then you pretty much have to create that energy yourself and you need to do something to get your bench going. And those are the kind of things you need to do. Right. Because uh, since you've been out of town this week, I got to cover my first in-game uh, this season. And How was that? Of, I, 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 that's, yeah, that's, I didn't mean to ask you about that's that. That's right. Kind of exactly where I was going is you could really feel that lack of intensity, that lack of, a, of yeah. some sort of spark. It was just kind of like a, like watching men's league. I tweeted about it. Obviously a lot more skilled, but it didn't seem like you know a lot was on the line. It just seemed like uh, almost like a scrimmage. You know, Let's go out here. Let's try to keep things sharp and play well. But it didn't have that intensity that you would kind of typically expect. Is that something you would agree with? Is that what you've seen throughout the year so far? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. It's it's a, it's a different game. It's not the same. I mean, did it also feel like you were sitting inside a video game to you? Because that's yeah. what it feels like to or, me. Yeah, it, it feels like, like you're sitting inside a video game. Yeah, or when you go to in the back room at the strip club, you get a little private show. That's kind of <laughs> what it felt like to me. Uh, you know, I just had my feet up. Plus, you know, the next person is six feet away from you, so you're yeah. not talking to them. You know, when you and I are covering games together, we're talking the entire time back and forth, right? And, you know, so you're just kind of in your own head. You're just kind of watching the game. It's 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 quite peaceful, but it's not hockey, right? You yeah. want that intensity. You want the crowd screaming, and, you know, especially come playoff time, that's kind of an X factor. Yeah, and I think the players are just as fatigued about what's been going on and the kind of hockey they've had to endure for the last 12 months as well because we heard Landeskog yesterday talking about the fact that there was 2,495 fans on Friday and there was 3,224 fans on Saturday. So it was a total of 6,000 fans over, not even 6,000 fans over two games. And uh, Landeskog said something like, I never in my life thought I would use the word electric when I'm talking about 3,000 fans at an NHL game, but it was electric. And that's just the way it is. It's kind of, uh, it's kind of just a, it's it's a reminder of what hockey used to be like a year ago, and it's a reminder of what we're getting to hopefully soon. Um, but right now we're not there, and right now that's that's just the reality of what these games feel like in terms of covering them. They just feel different because of that. They feel different because it's kind of, I mean, to me it feels like you're sitting in a video game because with that crowd noise that they're kind of popping in, that sounds like Terrible. it's come. It sounds terrible, but it sounds like it's come straight out of an EA Sports game. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, well, the reason is is because it's, like, too intense, right? It's, like, as if it's yeah. playoff third period game seven and, like, the whole crowd's and, screaming, but it's turned down really low. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this just turned down screaming. really low. It's like It's, like, elevator music. It's really weird, but you missed opening night. Opening night was so loud that you couldn't talk to the person next to you that was six feet away. If you hey Mike, if you said his name from like your table to the table next door, he wouldn't hear you because it was so loud. And I think during the during the post game interviews, a lot of the players mentioned that Matt Calvert mentioned, yeah, there were guys on the Blues bench kind of telling me like, dude, this is really loud. And he was like, yeah, I agree. So they kind of turned it down, but they didn't really change it to a less intense crowd noise. It's the same one just turned down. So it's really weird. Uh, the goal horn, I I mean, they didn't score many goals against the Wild, but the goal horn always makes me laugh because it's like the puck goes in, the players scream, yeah, they get together, and then it kind of like the goal horn starts later and the music starts later and the crowd noise. Like it's so delayed, and I feel bad for the guy that has to pull the trigger on that. It's just different. Um, but it's 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 something that, I mean, they're, they're going to have to get used to one way or another at least for the next six months. But it's also a reason why this season is so weird. It's the same thing we're seeing in the NBA. There are so many teams that are good teams that are not playing as good as they usually would. The Milwaukee Bucks, last time I checked, are like two games above 500. The Miami Heat, who made it to the to the NBA Finals last year, are don't even have a winning record right now. And it's because there are so many players on so many teams that feed off of the crowd. They're not players that can you know sort of ignore the fact that they're playing in empty ranks and empty arenas. They need that to make them who they are. It's what they've been programmed to be their entire life. And when they don't have it, some of them just can't get adjusted to this new this new game, this new feel. And it's why, you know, the season is so weird. It's why some teams aren't playing as good as they should. Uh, and it's why the teams that do win are the teams that are able to sort of make the most of this situation, which is why last year was, it was, you know, Tampa Bay. Yes, we expected them to be good, but it was the Dallas Stars who made the most of a situation. We've talked about this. This is a team that had a crazy Russian goalie that was screaming, we're not going home after every game. It was a team that had uh, random guys coming out of nowhere and scoring big goals and big games because they kind of embraced it. And that's probably the biggest struggle to me is I don't think so many teams and so many players want to embrace it. They're embracing the fact that media is not in the locker rooms, but they're not embracing the fact that they're playing in empty rinks. Yeah. And to kind of come full circle and kind of summarize our first little chunk of the podcast here is that's kind of why I'm okay with the loss or the wins this past weekend, because even though they weren't exactly the way you want to see them go with a, you know, electric offense and just a dominating force, but they got the wins done and in this weird season I think Jared Bednar even kind of said this after one of the wins you got to get wins kind of however you can right and right now the the scoreboard isn't counting pretty wins versus ugly wins it's just counting wins so you got to get them any way you can even in this crazy season this crazy year I mean we already know that any team can beat any team on any given night so just the fact that you're walking out with all four points and the other team's walking out with zero you just got to be happy and, and move forward and try to work on what the you know those small tweaks that they're missing yeah and what was that quote you said in the beginning from scott hastings about getting to the dance right you you don't always wait what is it it's a uh, you, you maybe took the ugly girl to the dance but you still got to the dance you still got there yeah exactly and that's kind of how i feel to be honest with you about the regular season in general when you look at the standings right now and you look by points percentage, the Avalanche are third in the division. And that's only because Minnesota's on a six-game heater. They've won six in a row and they're 12-6 and six, and the Avs are 11-6-1. and one. But I don't foresee that you know 
happening the rest of the way. I don't think Minnesota is going to end up second in this division. The Blues are 11-8-2. They're behind the Avalanche by a big chunk because they've only got one point more, but they've played three games more. Reality is, if you're the Avalanche, nothing matters but just making it to the playoffs. Exactly. Make it to the dance. The dance is the playoffs. The way that I'm going to look at it, we can sit here and critique their play, you know, and we can sort of break it down and 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 go through every little bit of how they're playing. But in the end, they just need to make it to the playoffs and they need to be aware that when it gets to the playoffs, they need to sort of turn it up a notch. They did it last year and all their good players showed up last year. Kadri, Burakovsky, everybody was over a point per game last year. They had an excellent playoff performance. It's just injuries caught up to them. That's kind of what you need from the Avs this year. It's just a matter of getting hot at the right times, find a way to stay healthy, and just be one of those four teams in the playoffs. That's ultimately all this regular season is because nobody's enjoying it. Nobody's having fun. Uh, teams are kind of in a bubble, but they're not in, in the sense of what they can do in and out of uh, in and out of their houses away from the rink. Um, so the reality is you just need to make it to the playoffs. That's the dance. Just find a way to get there and then figure out the rest once you're there. Right, absolutely. We and we can dissect and, and be more negative then, but for now I think wins yeah. are wins will make me happy, you know. Exactly. Kind of yep. what kept me so cynical in the last couple podcasts is that, you know, they were going half and half. They were winning one, losing yeah. one, winning one, losing one. Every once in a while they won a series, but hey, here you go. You just won a series. It wasn't the best, but you got it done, so I'm happy. Yeah. W's W's get the you know, make me make my feelings sparkles and rainbows, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, you want one more thing before we move on? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I mean, they're they're the early season start where they started three and three is kind of what set them on this path where they had to go, they had to play better hockey just to break out of that funk. Uh, and they're eight three and one since in the last twelve games. They're eight three and one, and two of those losses were against the Golden Knights. Obviously, you want to hope to beat that team a little bit more. Uh, they did beat them twice, but they obviously also lost twice. So. You know, if you're gonna go eight, three, and one, three or four more times, you're gonna be in pretty good shape. But you want to make sure those eight wins are coming against teams that you know are gonna build confidence going into the playoffs, knowing that you're probably gonna have to see these guys in the playoffs for a seven game series. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we'll kind of look ahead at what what comes next after this. We got to get into the injuries a little bit, right? You've brought it up a couple times. Let's stop with start with the Matt Calvert injury, um, which we know kind of is, is probably lingering again with this concussion. I mean, I think yeah. it was just last podcast that we were even discussing this last. And so, you know, it's been just over a week later and, and here it's still a conversation. So now, now what, what's next for Matt Calvert? What do you think? Uh, what do you think he does from here? I'm going to give the same example I gave last podcast episode is Jesse Winchester. He's at forward the Avalanche signed for the 2014-15 season. He was kind of their new, uh, he was kind of their Belmar type of acquisition, this fourth line center who's going to come in. He played a couple preseason games. He played that game where the Avalanche played the Canadians in Quebec City. Uh, and then he played against Calgary. He got hit, concussion. We never saw him again. And every single time Matt Calvert's out of the lineup, that's kind of where I feel like it's going. Because this is a guy who, like I said, in the 2018, 2019 playoffs, when they had that series against the San Jose Sharks, he got stood up at the blue line by Brent Burns and made a play to get the puck to his teammate to score an empty netter, but he got lit up by Brent Burns and he was in and out of the lineup during that seven-game series. He ended up missing game seven against the Sharks. The same thing happened against the Stars. He missed game seven. The Avalanche lost both times, and he's a very big, impactful player in playoff hockey. And then there was obviously the shot where... 
uh, Elias Peter- Pedersen or whoever it was from the Canucks shot it and cracked him right in the face, uh, pretty much broke his face. There was blood everywhere. The Canucks ended up tying it. The Avs were pissed. McKinnon won it in overtime. I think it so was this the side of play- the head, wasn't it? Well, not, it was- I don't think it was his face. Be- Belmar yeah, yeah, got yeah, hit in the face right. the other day. It was, it was day, the side which- of the face. Yeah, Belmar did get hit in the face. Crazy the to yeah. see him come back to the game yeah. and act like nothing happened after he gets Dude, Belmar, in the face. I thought he tore his ACL two weeks ago and he was back <laughs> on the ice talking <laughs> about, resilient. like, yeah, I was... I was recovering at home doing YouTube videos. It's like, dude, he's just a happy guy all the time. So, but yeah, Calvert, it was a side of the head. It was a freaking year and a half ago. I'm losing track of the injuries, the many, many injuries this team has. So when Calvert went down, you know, he was a late scratch. He he skated that morning, the, the pregame skate Friday. So he was a really late scratch. And then the Avalanche ended up having to play with 11 forwards because they just couldn't they couldn't get anybody into the lineup that quickly. And obviously they had some salary cap implications causing them to play one man short. And then post game, Jared Bednar said that Calvert had a lower body injury. And that was a little bit puzzling to me because if he had a lower body injury, then it was something different. So I decided to do the journalism thing, which I actually ended up working out pretty well. I had, I texted Brendan McNicholas for the abs and I asked him what Calvert's injury was. And he said, upper body. So that brings us right back to the situation at hand. What's next for Matt Calvert? Who the hell knows? I mean, the last time that he came back into the lineup, uh, coming out of the COVID pause and then playing the game at Lake Tahoe, the reason why he missed the first Vegas game, the one nothing loss, was because Jared Bednar said that Calvert was ready to go, but he had done some traveling to see specialists in other places and he needed to quarantine. So he already, during the 12 days off, traveled whether he went to canada whether he went to another state he already went to go see other specialists to get a better opinion and a second opinion and he did that and it lasted four games if even that and he's already back out so what's next i mean your guess is as good as mine but i'm looking at a guy in matt calvert who is already playing with a tinted visor who's already got these concussion issues kind of adding up and just can't seem to stay in the lineup which sucks because he's a really good player he's really effective at what he does and uh i mean i'll say it again he missed the game seven against the stars and against the sharks and he's somebody who can make an impact and win you a game yeah absolutely I'm 100% with that, especially like you're saying, those pointing out those game sevens that he wasn't in there. And those are kind of some of the most painful losses that we've seen from the Avalanche in most recent years. So, yeah, you never like to see it. It's not looking good for Matt Calvert. And, you know, the the worst thing is seeing a player go out not by his own, on his own will, right? Going out because of injury or sickness or or what have you. But you, you, you hate to see it. You hate a player's career getting cut short, and that's happened now twice to the Avalanche, right? We just saw that happen recently with Colin Wilson. It, it's not like it was that traumatizing for Colorado to lose Colin Wilson, but just, uh, you know, it was kind of unexpected, and just having having it seem like it wasn't exactly his choice to leave the game, um, it, it's it's hard to watch. Yeah, it is. And, and for someone like Calvert, I mean, I'm glad he got paid the amount of money he did before this all happened but this is also somebody who should likely be playing another three or four years in the nhl this is a guy that the avalanche likely could get re-signed to a pretty decent contract if it wasn't for all these issues and maybe still could if he finds a way to overcome them but just it's with concussions everything is questionable you don't really have a set uh plan for how to get out of this you're just you're either lucky or you're not you're either Sidney crosby or you're peter mueller like it goes one way or it goes the other there doesn't seem to be a middle ground so who knows where it's going to go from here? Um, 
But if you're the avalanche, you, you know, you, you, you count your blessings that you have depth. You count your blessings that you have Logan O'Connor because he seems to be a legit NHLer now. And you hope that other injuries don't pile up because if they do, we're going to get back to the same territory we talked about last time. It's the Sheldon Drees, as uh, Jared Bednar calls him, and it's the Jason Megnas, and it's all these guys that once you start to see them, you're just going to think that these are just Band-Aids and guys that shouldn't be playing every single night. Yeah, and, and back to Matt Calvert, you know, just one last thing. You always hear how players, late, especially as the last couple, uh, I'm going to say the last decade, as they're entering the end of their career, you know, and wrapping things up, and even if they're not playing in the NHL, they still like to kind of travel the world and maybe move their family to Europe and play some hockey there. But when your career is ended by a concussion and you just have to stop playing hockey, you kind of don't really get that proper goodbye with the game, right? Yeah. And it's, yep. again, like that's just what's on my mind right now. It's, it's hard to see, and it sucks for the player that you don't get to – you know, ease your way out of the game and you just have to abruptly stop And maybe even when you're at the pinnacle of your career, right? This might be the closest team he's ever had to winning a Stanley Cup and now he doesn't get to be a part of it, maybe. Maybe. Hopefully not. Maybe. Knock on wood. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll see We'll see where it goes from here, but this is someone that, in my opinion, and, and it could be hilarious because he might just be back into the lineup in a few yeah, games. But this is, a, this, is so. someone, this is someone that we're likely not going to see for a while, if you ask me. Well, let's hope it's a little bit brighter news on the Makar front. Let's get into his injury a little bit. I mean, I don't think we know exactly what's ailing him, but uh, no a idea. little bit annoying to see that it's in and out and coming back and it's a lingering thing, yeah. right? It's got to be something that's reoccurring more so than him just hurting a couple different things every couple games. Yeah, and it's it's really weird because there was nothing that really was ailing him. It kind of came out of nowhere. He missed a game, and then the COVID pause happened, and then after the COVID pause, uh, suddenly they were practicing, and then Jared Bednar said, Makar's out. And then he was back in. He played Tahoe. He's still putting up points. He's He's got 14 points in 15 games. One-legged passes. One-legged passes, yeah, and then he was out again. Uh, this is not the player you... I mean, this is the exact opposite of the career that Sam Gerrard has had with the Avalanche. I mean, Kale McCarr missed, before the COVID pause last year, uh, he missed over 10 games because of an injury. Sam Gerrard is the guy that has... You know, he's smaller than Kale McCarr, but he seems to be more durable. He hadn't missed a game with the Avalanche playing over 200 straight games until he was diagnosed with COVID. He was a positive case of COVID-19 and had to miss those few games coming out of the pause, uh, the second pause, so many COVID pauses. But with Kale McCarr, there has to be something there that's ailing him because he just hasn't he hasn't been who he usually is. It's kind of the same thing I've noticed with Nathan McKinnon or with everybody in this lineup. They just haven't been the same dominant player that they were a year ago. Uh, and it could be a mixture of the confidence issue and an injury issue. But right now, to me, it's an injury issue. It's something that's keeping him out of the lineup. And he's kind of playing one, sitting for one, playing one, sitting for one. Or he's a game time decision and takes a morning skate and then doesn't play. And then he does play and then he's back out. That's literally been his timeline over the last two weeks. Uh Whatever it is, they got to figure out what it is and and not fast. Because without Kale McCarr, you can win some games, but you need Kale McCarr when it matters most. And if rushing him into the lineup in a month where you're playing 17 times in 31 days is what you think is a good idea, well, it's not. 
So whatever it is that's ailing Kale McCarr, uh, take your time with it. Figure it out. This is a 22-year-old that has a long career ahead of him that's going to be making a lot of money. The last thing you want if you're the Avalanche is to give McCarr ranting in type of money or more than that probably and then have a player who's playing 40 to 50 games a year because he's just not durable. Yeah, you got to kind of treat him with the fragility of a, of a goalie, right? Just he's made out of glass and take care of him now because like we were saying earlier, you, you got to have it turned up for the playoffs. So if he's missing yeah. some playoff or some regular season time, then, you know, that's fine. But if as long so as he's it. ready to go by playoff, then yeah. And, you know, with what you're saying about Sam Girard, you know, it, it's the exact opposite. He's just been so reliable, right? That What's the best ability? Reliability. And that's been Sam Girard lately. I mean, he's everywhere they're they're leaning on him in all situations and he's creating he's creating offense you go back and you watch some highlights he's kind of what's starting a lot of it he's the root of a lot of these uh, uh, dangerous plays that they are able to generate and he's just been awesome to watch but with Sam or with Kale McCarr you know uh, I'm just wondering how long these kind of injuries are going to be a thing is this going to be a whole career where we're going to be seeing him play you know 50 game seasons instead of 82 and you know, just missing a lot, a lot of time because he's just it seems to have this fragile body, despite you know his his speed and ability to avoid hits. Yeah, and I mean the the weird thing is, I look at a player like. I look at a player like Nazem Kadri, who's been on the Avs now for a couple seasons, uh, who's also been in the NHL for a decade who's also played a lot of hockey games, who takes a lot of maintenance days because his body's starting to get beat up. Nazem Kadri's almost 30 years old. And then I look at Kale McCarr, who's eight years younger, who's 22, who played two years at UMass, you know, didn't really play junior hockey where he played a lot of games. He played college hockey, came into the Avalanche. This is his second full season in the NHL and kind of feels like the same player as Nazem Kadri in that sense. And that's a little bit worrisome. That's troubling because this is a kid that you want to sort of play 80 to 82 games a year every single year. Um, and the wor- the most worrying thing about it is with players like this that play a lot of minutes. I mean, for every Duncan Keith, somebody who is in the NHL and plays a lot of games, a lot of minutes, and is durable for a decade, for every time you have a Duncan Keith, you also have an Eric Carlson, who right now looks like the worst player on the San Jose Sharks. Like, he just doesn't look good. Plus he flinches. Plus, he, yeah, that, that was a little... I think that's what pissed Dubnik off the most was that that flinch. I mean, props to Bennington. It, it worked, but yeah. Well, you know, a blocker hurts. So when you That's the blocker thing. Blockers, yeah, those are, those are no joke. <laughs> yeah. Like, those things can really hurt you. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. So with Kale McCarr, you kind of want it to go the right way. And if you're the Avalanche, if you're Joe Sackick, and you're going to sign this guy to a lot of money, what happens if it ends up being a player that you pay a lot of money to? And like you said, you end up seeing him for 40 to 50 games a year. So I don't know what it is. It's it's it's. I think 95% of the podcasts you and I have done, there has been talk about injuries. There has been talk about durability. There has been talk about this team's lack of an ability to be healthy. And I don't even know where that goes. Is it the strength and conditioning coach? Is there something else? Is it the altitude? Is it the water in the city? Like what is it that's causing this team to always be injured and kind of never have nice things because the last thing you want if you're this team is to have that reputation and I mean you know as funny as it sounds Taylor Hall already has a lot of injury issues if this dude came to Denver he would be playing 10 games a year with the luck that this team has with injuries like it's just (laughs) it's that's just the reality of it yeah um but like you said I do want to give some props to Sam Girard because he's been on the other end of that Sam Girard is the smallest player on this team 
uh, he doesn't weigh, nor is he as tall as, as Makar, nor does he look as thick and rugged and built as Makar does. He's a small guy, but he's durable. He's really smart. He has great hockey IQ. He does that spin at the blue line. He uh, avoids checks. He's He does a really good job of not getting hit. And the one time he did get hit, Eric Johnson and Nathan McKinnon pretty much killed two guys for him. It just doesn't happen often. And that's the greatest thing about Sam Gerrard is his ability to do that. And whatever it is that he's doing, Kale McCarr needs to learn how to do it too. Well, and so far they've been lucky with Kale McCarr that the injuries have just kept him out couple games you know three four yeah um you know but you can see where it can go from here you know it could snowball yep. and suddenly it's a, it adds up. it's a surgery and then he's out for a whole season including playoffs yeah. and you lost your bright shiny toy for a whole year so yeah they got like you said you got to take the time figure it out make sure you nurse it back to health and it's not something that continues to get aggra- aggravated and he continues to miss games here and there we'd rather just see him go for a long stretch at 100 percent than you know be in the lineup at 70 anyway so um yeah i guess we can keep moving on through the podcast here we ha- we did, haven't done a podcast since the lake tahoe incident i'm going to call it an incident rather than a game yeah. because that wasn't exactly how hockey games go um but you know I hate to say a toto so, but a toto so, and you know that's that's what I was saying all podcasts, and I was hating on it and hating on it, and even after the podcast, I was like, man, was I a little too harsh? Like, should I get a little bit more excited for this game? Is it just my current mental state and COVID getting to me that's making me so negative towards this? But then I watched the game and I watched that first period, and it was pretty gratifying. I don't think I've had such a hot take be so correct. It felt good. Yeah, and I think I I texted you that day and I said somebody had that kind of a hot take for every NHL outdoor game and never got to say I told you so because (laughs) the NHL always pulled it off. But then you finally did it in the NHL. I mean, the best part about that first period at Lake Tahoe was that video, that replay where you can see a player skating to the bench and then he just topples over and then there's a player behind him and he topples over. And then a second later, the ref is just skating at center ice and then just falls on his face. Like it's hilarious. It was like the epitome of what that game was. But I mean, all you sound like to me is a Vegas golden Knights player because the avalanche went into that first period. I mean, maybe winning one, nothing helped, but the avalanche came out of that first period and Gabe Landeskog kind of did this thing where he, he was positive about it. I mean, Gabe Landeskog could have came out after the pause was announced, the game pause, not the season pause, was announced that it was going to continue at 12 o'clock Eastern at, at 9 o'clock locally in t- at Lake Tahoe. And uh, he said, I give props to the NHL for pulling it off, uh, for doing this. It's a really nice place. It's nice scenery, but, you know, you can't beat the sunshine. And he said, you know, me and the guys in the locker room wanted to come back out and finish this game. We never really thought about pausing this game as a possibility. Um, and then after the game, a couple of the guys mentioned, it seemed like Vegas was the ones that were saying no. And then on his 31 thoughts, uh, blog, Elliot Friedman mentioned that the avalanche players wanted to continue the game in those ice conditions. The golden Knights didn't. And when the golden Knights players and the team found out the abs wanted to continue it, they were upset. They didn't like the fact that the abs wanted to continue it. So all you sound like to me is just a salty Vegas Golden Knights player <laughs> sitting in a locker room with Pacioretty and Mark Stone just pissed off that the abs wanted to play with terrible ice conditions. That's hey, all it sounds I, like to me. If I'm down one nothing, I'd probably be complaining too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, it was just the integrity of the game and the integrity yeah. of the regular season that was really my biggest problem. And, you know, I think everybody's right, right? I mean, if, if the avalanche are – 
okay with it and they have a, a fun time playing out there, then whatever, let them play. But if the Vegas Golden Knights don't like it and they think that they're there, there's jeopardizing the integrity of the game a little bit, then I think they're right too. So, yeah. you know, that's just kind of the way we got to look at it. It was an experiment and I wouldn't call it a failed one. It just didn't go exactly to plan, but yeah. um, you know, you definitely anticipate them doing something similar in the future. How pissed would you be if you're that wedding um, that got crashed by the Bruins Flyers game? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be pissed because I'm me and I'm a nerd and I like hockey sure, and you'd I love mean, it. <laughs> but a lot of people would be pissed. It's it it was it was hilarious. But I mean, the whole experience, the whole experience was fascinating and to me it was great because it kind of, as funny as it sounds, it you know when the NHL usually does things like this and the, I think the purpose of this experience was to kind of get away from the fact and make everybody forget about the fact that we're living in a covid world and this weird pandemic season with empty arenas and it's kind of weird it's different it's uh, bland and then they put a game on a lake where there's also no fans and Gary Bettman comes out and says the sun is our biggest enemy it was just this great <laughs> quote he sounded like Dr. Eggman from Sonic it was like this kind of <laughs> quote that you wouldn't hear anywhere else where the commissioner of the NHL comes out and says the sunshine and the beautiful blue skies is our biggest enemy um, and if that doesn't say hockey is a popular sport then I don't know what does but I uh, it was a fascinating experience the only thing that matters to me is the same thing that you said. It's kind of what this uh, podcast has been, you know, kind of centered around is just getting to the dance. doesn't matter how ugly it is. Just get to the dance. And the Avalanche got two points against a very good team that day uh, for a game that spanned almost 12 hours. But they did it. They got two points. Nathan McKinnon scored a gorgeous goal. And uh, if you haven't caught it already, uh, I think Nathan McKinnon deserves uh, first, second, and third star. Not that he's going to get it this week, but I think he does deserve it. Just for that video of Alex Petrangelo trying to defend his goal and going, oh boy, because he was mic'd up. And you just hear, oh boy, and then three seconds later, McKinnon zooms past him and just scores. If you haven't seen that, look it up. It's great. It's hilarious. But hell of a goal from Nate, hell of a goal from Gerard, hell of a goal from Devon Taves, and two points from the Avs. That's all that matters. And let's not forget to uh, acknowledge the fact that when they did come back and start those second and third periods, the hockey was way better. It was a lot more fun to watch. So much better. And it was just uh, enjoyable. So, um, you know, I I definitely had fun watching those last two periods. Plus, what's better than watching hockey at 10 o'clock at night all the way until midnight until you're ready to go to bed on a Saturday? Something about that. Something about that was just really peaceful. It was like Mm -hmm. that nighttime sports scene, kind of like you were playing this backyard hockey game and you were like, shh, you can't wake the neighbors. Like, it was something (laughs) about it was really cool. And I still have to get revenge from you for this, but it's kind of like when we play tennis that one time in the summer and there was just this big empty park lights over the tennis courts friday night beautiful skies beautiful weather and you're just playing this game with no fans nobody there right the only difference is their nhl players making multiple millions of dollars and they they won i lost so uh that's that's the only difference but it had that kind of a feel to it um but i get why the nhl did what they did they wanted to get the views of the mountains and the trees and all that hocus pocus bullshit that i know you don't care about they just wanted to get that in the daylight and they did they got it for a little bit for one period uh and then they had a hell of a second and third period it was a lot of fun to watch yeah absolutely so let's look ahead at who's next we got san jose up for two games here this week they're nice and spaced out not too uh crazy definitely not back-to-backs like they just got off of so let's uh Talk about expectations, predictions. What do you think is going to happen? I'll start. I think 
It's got to be another two wins. Like I said, it's the W's that make me 100%. happy. I don't care how you get it done. If it's 2-1, 3-1, if, even if you bore me to sleep like you kind of did in uh, the last two Arizona games, at least in the first half of the games, um, you know, it's fine. Who cares? You know, let's just get get out of there with W's and beat the teams you're supposed to beat. That's the most important thing for me. You know, it's not just a simple fact yeah. of, oh, well, I need victories. I need victories. No, it's about beating the teams that you shouldn't be losing to, yep. like Arizona, like San Jose. Amen. And uh, the thing about San Jose is they have seven wins. That's it. They've won seven wins. They have won seven games in 18 out of 18 total. Uh, there's only two teams in the NHL that have not reached seven wins yet. One of them is the Buffalo Sabres. The other one, surprisingly, is the Dallas Stars, who are 6-6-4. Six, six, and four. So if you're the Avalanche, you're playing a team that has the third or second lowest amount of wins in the NHL. you got to win both of these. And the fact of the matter is you've played them twice already at Ball Arena and you smoked them. You shut them out one time. You put up seven goals and a 7-3 win the second time. You have to come away with two wins. And because they're spaced out, you can go ahead and play Grubauer both games if needed. Or you can put in Hunter Miska and protect him like you did against the Coyotes for that one game. Uh, just know that Devin Dubnik seems a little bit hot after the Bennington thing. So just take it easy on him. We know how Bennington can get a... or. Uh, Sorry, uh, Dubnik could get a little fiery against the Avalanche. We've seen it in recent years. But uh, if you're the Avs, like you said, two wins is is the expectation. And anything less than that, even three points out of four games, would be a failure in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's funny you say that because that's exactly where I was going next too. It would be fun. Because they always get under his skin, right? So they got to keep it up, keep the streak alive, especially right now while he's extra fiery. Um, So. You know, and you know the losses aren't helping. That's got to add some extra frustration for him too. So just had throw Landis Gog in front of the net, get in front of his face a little bit. He'll draw two minutes on on Devin Dubnik, hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah, and let's just hope it doesn't end in a body slam because I think Landis Gog would get a call from player safety <laughs> for real this time if he did that with someone like Dubnik. <laughs> Uh, that's a good one, which is perfect transition into our social media moment of the week, which I'm not sure if you saw, but uh, I think it was a couple days ago. Gabe Landeskog did the yes. well, the viral video of such the, a beautiful uh, video. Who's the Dolly Parton? Yep, is it Dolly Parton? Yeah, I believe so. Is it Dolly Parton? Steamy Nicks, Stevie Nicks. I can't. I can't um, remember. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those. I you know. But you know what I'm getting at. He did his own little version of that. I think he was skating on Evergreen Lake, slamming a Bud Light, which was hilarious. He's just cool to see him, you know, even though as much time as he spends in hockey skates and as much time as he spends on the ice, he still wants to spend some free time on Evergreen Lake and enjoying some free skating on on a outdoor rink still. Maybe he just uh, had some withdrawals from the outdoor game and wanted to go relive it and have a beer this time but it was cool it was a fun video funny to see him still having fun like that yeah and i love that that went viral this is someone who just loves hockey it's someone that loves to skate and loves to play and it's he's he's a cool guy i mean he's got a lot of swagger to him and i i he probably made a lot of money off of that video um which is uh something that we sort of left out there for why he did it but i didn't know that it was really cool Is that why he did it, or is that are you just speculating? No, I'm I'm speculating. I'm speculating ah. that if if there wasn't any advertisement dollars attached to Bud Light, he probably got them later. Well, that's funny because I was I remember thinking when I first saw it, like oh, I didn't know Evergreen Lake let you take alcohol out there while you're skating. And but then I was like, but if you're Gabe Landeskog, you could probably take whatever the hell you want out there, especially since he's rocking his Avs tracksuit out there, right? Yeah. He's like, not not afraid to show. Hey, 
Guess who I am? Um, but yeah, hilarious that he's drinking Bud Light. I hope he got some dollars out of it. You know, Bud Light has those uh, dollars to give nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he uh, this was probably set up by Joe Sackick, like, hey, we're gonna get Bud Light to pay you quite a you know a big penny to go out there, skate, do this commercial, this advertisement, post it on your Instagram, and then you're gonna sign for less with us because you're a great captain and we need cap space. Yeah, why not? And they're doing a great job with Nathan McKinnon, right? With McKinnon Crunch. And then we also saw him <laughs> sign a deal with Gatorade recently, too. So, yeah. hey, the Avs players making their money on the side. I'm all for it, especially if they're getting underpaid with the team. Go for it. Yeah, that McKinnon happy. Crunch that McKinnon Crunch cereal, I, I'm really curious how many boxes they sold. But at two ninety nine a box, it's going to take quite a few to pay McKinnon's salary or parts of it. So, <laughs> But you know what? Every dollar counts nowadays. The Avalanche had to play with 11 forwards the other day because they didn't have the cap space to bring in a 12th guy. So... Um, maybe yeah, they need I to mean, make some Landeskog uh, flakes, or you know, Landeskog, Landeskog Grubauer Grams. He's <laughs> Grubauer Grams. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. I think uh, I think we're getting off the rails here. All right, well, <laughs> let's get to our three stars of the week and wrap this puppy up and uh, get people started on their week. Hopefully, they're listening Monday morning here. But star number three, we're gonna give it to Jacob McDonald. Um, obviously for scoring that goal, good to see the guys coming up from the, uh, Eagles stepping up and, and making things happen. And it wasn't the prettiest goal, but that's kind of what we're about this podcast, right? It's just about getting those goals in there. And that's what he did. And, um, props to him. Yeah. Props to him. He scored the day after his 28th birthday, which was Friday. He got to play that day. And then the very next day he scored a goal with the avalanche. Uh, this is somebody who, Let's face it. Nobody knew who the hell he was before he uh, suddenly. You was just part learned of... his name. I just learned his name because I always <laughs> call him Joey McDonald because Joey McDonald used to be a goalie for the Red Wings and I mix him up with that guy. But this is somebody who hasn't played many NHL games and when he has, he hasn't always been relevant. He had a goal in two games with the Florida Panthers two seasons ago, and that was it. That's been his entire NHL career before this. So now he's played eight games in the NHL, and he's got two goals. Not bad, but he's 28 years old. He's not going to be a full-time NHLer forever. But props to him for coming in, stepping up when they need him. Uh, Lord knows they're going to need him again because injuries. Um, it wasn't the prettiest goal, but, I mean, they don't ask how. They ask how many, and he got one, and that's all that matters. Yep, absolutely. Brings us to star number two. We're sticking with the uh, Eagles theme here. We're going to give it to Hunter Miska. As we saw, he got his first NHL win. Um, it gave uh, took him three tries, but he got it done. Hopefully we see a few more if he's going to be the guy that steps in. I'm not sure. I'm totally sold on what he's got to offer. Um, but Neither am I. <laughs> we're here to get, give him props, not to rip on him. So <laughs> star number yeah. two goes to Hunter Miska. Yeah, the cool thing about the Hunter Miska story is that he had just beat the Roadrunners, the AHL team of the Coyotes, uh, a couple nights earlier with the Eagles. I like that and move then, by the coaching staff, too. Like, yeah. Hey, keep him hot. He just had a great game yeah. uh, two nights ago. Let's keep him going. He's still feeling it. Yeah, against the very same organization, and then he gets called up to the big leagues, plays against the Coyotes, and he used to play for the Coyotes and obviously for the Roadrunners because he was in their AHL system, and he was the backup goalie to Aiden Hill who he beat on that game on in that game on Friday. So just everything about that story was just like a nice, uh, everything kind of came full circle for him. Like you, I don't think he's your forever answer, nor do I think he's somebody that you want to be playing 
multiple times. Um, I think there's something to be said about the NHL trade market and 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 the goalie market and the Avalanche going out and acquiring some help for him. I'm going to throw a name out there, so let's uh, bring this to the world. Now that Jimmy Howard is gone, I'm going to say the Avalanche go to the Red Wings and bring back Jonathan Bernier. But right now, Hunter Miska is your backup goalie, and you have to rely on him, and it was nice to see him get a victory. So he gets, obviously, that star number two. Yeah. For sure. I tweeted about it, too, uh, before morning skate or during morning skate before the Minnesota Wild game. How I, I'm liking Peyton Jones, the guy out of Penn State. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think he's ready to jump into an NHL into NHL action just yet. But, you know, maybe this guy could ultimately be one of your answers, at least for uh, some stability there. But moving on, like I said, we want to give Hunter Miska his moment here on the pedestal. Star number two. So star number one. We're going to Sam Girard for all the reasons we said earlier in the podcast. I just think he's been playing such great hockey, and it's good to see the coaching staff realize it too and re- and give him those minutes he deserves and put him and ma- make him improve it, right? And it's funny. You kind of saw that too with uh, Jacob McDonald. After he scored that goal, he, he skates over to the bench expecting to hop up, back onto the bench, and coaching staff says, no, get back out there. You're, you're staying out there, and it was him and Sam Girard, right? So I love how the coaching staff always – Let's players get what they deserve, right? You you earn yeah. some more ice time, you're out there. Sam Gerard, same thing. He's really proved himself this year. They're throwing him in when they need him most, and he's he's living up to it. Yeah. Sam Gerard in his three seasons with the Avalanche put up 20, 27, and 34 points. So it was a nice progression in the right direction for a player who started with the Avs when he was 19. He's already got two goals, 11 assists, 13 points in 16 games. Uh, I've been saying it all podcast. I've been saying it all year. Sam Gerrard has been one of the brightest spots of this team this entire season. He just looks like a totally different player. He looks like he's aged physically, uh, his maturity, his leadership. We saw the Avalanche give him the A on his sweater when they uh, when they had some injuries to the guys that wear letters on their sweaters. And this is a player that, you know, I, I, I've been meaning to write about this, but haven't gotten a chance because of that COVID pause around the time when Team Canada announced uh, their management group, which includes Roberto Luongo for some reason. But when you look at the the Team Canada roster and what they're going to ice in 12 months for the Winter Olympics, assuming all goes to plan and the NHL is there as they should be and, and COVID is an, a, as an issue in 12 months, who's to say Sam Gerrard doesn't crack that lineup? Because there is a spot for him. He's been playing his ass off. And while everybody's talking about Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon being locks on Team Canada and Bowen Byram being a potential extra, uh, Chris Johnston, who we had on this podcast, did his uh, his uh, roster prediction for Team Canada. And his number seven defenseman was Bowen Byram. That's how high people think of Bo. But if you ask me, Sam Gerrard deserves to be on that team. And if he continues to build and grow and develop in the right direction as he has for the past month who's to say he doesn't make that team too he deserves it he's been playing his ass off and 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 i just think that he's he's on their radar now and if he hasn't been yet then well they they better start to track this player because he's only getting better yeah and especially if he keeps up to this pace that's about what a 50 point year possibly so in 56 games yeah yeah exactly so that'd be amazing to see and a huge step in this progression that you mentioned up a little bit ago right i mean there's your graph kind of climbing a little bit and then a drastic spike that's what you want to see as long as it doesn't drop back down and uh you know dead cat bounce but yeah that's all we really have for the uh podcast for the brunt of it anything else you want to throw out there before we 
wrap this baby up and get these Avs fans off to the start of their week. Last thing I got to say is for the last four days, I've been in Detroit and I have spent numerous, numerous hours playing NHL Hits 2003. <laughs> and I don't know if you ever played that game as a kid, but this game is Detroit, Detroit and Patrick Roy. Uh, this game is as good now as it was back then. It's just an awesome game. Uh, the hits, the checks, the goalie fights, uh, the lineups, the rosters, the names, everything about it is a nostalgia. Um, but it's actually a good nostalgia. The game still feels like a pretty damn good game. If you have not played NHL Hits 2003, go to your local GameStop, pay $5 for an Xbox, uh, another $2 for the game, and play this bad boy. It's a hell of a game. It's so much fun. It just kind of brought me back to how much fun video games used to be. Man, I tried an Oculus recently, and I really want an Oculus. I don't even like Xbox anymore, I think. I think Oculus is the future, <laughs> and I need one while we're on that topic. But that's a, that's all we have for you here on the on uh, Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast. So thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back here after the San Jose series to break down how that went, and hopefully it goes the way we mentioned, because if not, it's going to be another angry podcast. I enjoyed having kind of a positive podcast here today. I enjoyed you know pumping the avalanche tires a little bit and even making some excuses for them here and there so if they just keep winning i'm happy and i'm gonna keep this positive attitude but it's, they got to take care of yeah, business shout shout out to jj Jerez for having his mckinnon crunch this morning and waking up on the right side of the bed and eating a lot of sugar if that's the case <laughs> those things are just yeah. filled with sugar but hey delicious i've already <laughs> crushed a whole box but yeah thanks for hanging out with us if you made it this far in the podcast bless your heart of course hockey is for everyone and we out you.